Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Today it is sponsored by Joel and Avi Oster in celebration of the birth of a baby boy to Fernanda and Raymond Nasser. Mabruk. Breakfast is also sponsored by Yossi Levi as a Siudat Hoda'ah and dedicated in memory and Lilui Nishmat of Rabbi Elimelech Ben Eliezer Alav Hashalom. Okay. <clears throat> Rabotai. The Pasuk tells us, Vayifen Vayered Moshe min Ahar, Moshe turned and he went down the mountain, and he had the two, uh, the tablets in his hand. And Yoshua hears the sounds of celebration, of screaming, of cries, of yelling, of partying, of clapping, applause, you know, whistling, all different noises. It sounds like a very uh, engaged crowd. It sounds like a mob, okay? He says to Moshe, it sounds like there's a war going on. Yoshua didn't know what was actually happening. He says, it sounds like a war. Moshe has to tell him, he has to correct him and tell him what it, what it, what, what's actually going on. But our rabbis tell us that Minen Lewin, how did Yoshua get over here? Moshe just came down the mountain. He didn't get to the people yet. Where's Yoshua? <clears throat> Rabbeinu Bahaye explains, what does that mean? Yoshua did not go up the mountain with Moshe Rabbeinu. The Pasuk says, no one's allowed to go up the mountain. On the other hand, he didn't stay back with the Jewish people because we see he was right there with Moshe. He's having this conversation with Moshe about what the sounds are before he gets to the people. If that's the case, what was Yoshua doing? Rabbeinu Bahaye points out, he was sitting and waiting to be there when Moshe Rabbeinu came down to be the first person to be able to greet him, to have the time with him, to learn from him. And the Gemara actually says in Masechet Yoma that when Yoshua was waiting down at the bottom of the mountain, the man, the, uh, the manna that he would eat, so we know it says it would fall distant from the person's house based on what kind of a level of a sadiq they were. The Gemara in Yoma says that the man fell specifically for Yoshua over there at the bottom of the mountain. Okay? Now, what's interesting is we learned from a tremendous lesson. What kind of connection, what kind of misirut nefesh does he have? He doesn't know that the man's going to follow him there. But he goes and he sits and he waits for his, for his Rebbe, for his master, uh, all this time, sitting there by himself. Now, if he was in the camp, what would happen, what would he lose if he waited for Moshe Rabbeinu in the camp amongst everybody else? He would lose just the walk from the mountain to the camp. That's how much time he would lose with his master. It's nothing. And yet to Yoshua, that time was so precious. And we're learning from here how close Moshe, Yoshua was. Says the Midrash, That in the camp when Yoshua, the only time Yoshua would not be with Moshe Rabbeinu is when Moshe was speaking to God himself. Other than that, he's there for breakfast, he's there for lunch, he's there for dinner. He's there for every shiur, he's there for every tefillah. He doesn't leave and the child and the young man, Yehoshua, lo yamush mitoch ha'oel. And the question is, what kind of thing is that? Is that what the Torah wants from somebody? Is that what's expected of us? Imagine, I go on vacation. Could you imagine some guy sitting there in the airport? You get back, oh, Rabbi, thank you. How'd you know when I was flying back? I didn't know. I was here since you left. I was waiting. I thought maybe in the car I will get there some time. 
I had some questions to ask you. It was about Chodesh Nisan. It's a shame now it's no longer Nisan, Rabbi. So I have to wait for, have to wait for next year. What kind of thing is that? The Torah wants a person to be living life, not to be sitting there waiting. Is that the obligation? Is this the, the Hayub? So the answer, you know, I think is very powerful. Rav Galitsky brings a beautiful answer. He says as follows. We know there's a very interesting halakha. One of these halachot that we struggle to relate to. The halakha tells us, it's actually brought down in Shulchan Aruch, right? That when there's a knife on the table, you don't do berkat amazon. So if there's an, either take it off the table or you cover the knife. And the reason, the question is why, why, uh, why do we have this halakha? So this halakha is actually brought down in the Beit Yosef. Or if you look in it, you'll find an halakha. There was a story of a person who lived in the aftermath of the temple. He got to the beracha of Bonei Yerushalayim in the, uh, the Bekat Amazon, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And it struck him, the loss of Jerusalem, the Khurban of the Beit HaMikdash, had such a profound effect on him. He was so upset, he was so depressed, he was so lost. He grabbed the knife and he stabbed himself with the knife. Rahit. From then on, the halakha is, if there's a knife on the table. If there's a knife, you got to cover it. Abu Tai, you might not be aware of that halakha. I'm not sure if everyone here knows of that halakha. But I'll give you another example. The halabiyyeh, when it comes time for Friday night, we read, what we read l'chadodi, right? So if you take a look at the acrostic at the first letter of each of the paragraphs. So each paragraph starts with another letter, right? What comes after that? What comes after that? Right? Spelling the words Shilomo Halevi. Because the one who wrote it, Shlomo Halevi Alkabetz, he put his name in the in the verses, in the stanzas of, uh, of what's it called? Of the Lechadodi. So Joseph over here is Ashkenaz, right Joseph? Sorry? And your father? Father Ashkenaz. Okay. So Ashkenaz, and also by the way, Moroccans, other communities, they say all of them. Halabi don't say all of them. So normally, we skip a bunch of them. You know that? Like, Hitnari, you don't say, right? Lotevoshi, we don't say. You don't say, you skip them, right? Now, you might think that the reason, same reason why we skip the the uh, the tahanun on Monday Thursday on on Monday you skip Thursday Thursday you skip Monday there's no halakha that tells you to do that the reason why you don't want to do it is because they didn't want to lose the people so they had to skip the thing they took an extra sixty seconds because they were aware of how once I always notice this once a person decides that shul is over five seconds he can't be in the shul you can sit there for hours but once he sit Rabbi, it's late. Once you feel you need to go, chalas, you need to, you're bugging out if it's, ten, ten. you know, the guy's like, uh, they're like, the guy sings, you know, enke <laughs> eloenu, they're throwing rocks at him, okay? <laughs> so you have to be, you got to be careful, you got to know where the people are. So in the community, we stopped, we took out Monday, we took out Thursday, right, in order to have it a little bit quicker. That's not the reason on Friday night why we skipped those stanzas. The reason why we skipped those stanzas, if you pay close attention, is any stanza that has in it any talk of Mashiach, okay? Al Yad Ish Ben, right? All the, through the hands of that one, right? Of the, of the Mashiach, you take it out. 
other one, the Itnarem Yafarakumi, the Shay Big Day to Vatechami, Ayadi, Ben Yishai, took him out. Anything I mentioned is Mashiach, or the return to Jerusalem. Why? Because the people that lived, especially the people that were in Galut from, from uh, Syria, many of the original, original, original community in Syria were people that were there from the time of the Khurban Bayit, not the ones that came afterwards from Spain. There was a big exodus to Syria and Spain after. But there were Jews living in Spain, in, in Syria, from the time of David Amelech, from the first bait. That's not, the Gemara mentions it. The whole story of David conquering that land, the Gemara in Gitin talks about whether the, con the conquest of Syria by da King David gave the land of Syria a halachic status like Israel or not. The Gemara comes out that for some things yes and for some things no. Gemara Mefureshet Gitin, first perek. Okay? Now, since that's the case, there were people that were living there straight through the time. They, they experienced the Galut and they didn't go anywhere. And Syria is right there. It's right next to Eretz Israel. So the pain that they experienced and the anguish that they felt was extreme. They would mention, just mention Mashiach on Shabbat, they would get DP'd. You need, they need a Xanax. They were so upset because even the mention was enough, Rabotai, to fill their hearts with such sadness. So the commentators ask, Hazaku Baruch, that that's how we felt once. But look, I'm a rabbi, Rabbi Mizrahi over here, also a rabbi, right? Did you ever feel the need, you know, Frida, Nechila, Chana, please, you're leaving knives out. You don't know what I'm going to do if I say, uh, that has never happened. Not even one time in my life did I say Bonei Yerushalayim and think, you know, I can't get a knife. Could you pass me the fork over there? You know, it's going to be a little bit more messy, but it'll be worthwhile. I've never had that. I've never, there's no halakha that says you can't eat the meal on a porch. We're worried you might go jump. Doesn't say that anywhere. So where does this halakha come And why is it established in the halakha? Why is that an important thing? The answer to both of these questions to Yehoshua, to telling us that Yehoshua waited for his rabbi for 40 days, to telling us about the fact that Bonei Yerushalayim, the answer of Galinsky explains, he says, is not to tell you what you should feel. Not to tell you that that's how you have to feel. But to give you a musad, an idea, something to aspire to. To, to, to have the concept that when you hear about the Khurban, well, you mentioned building Jerusalem, that it hurts you. The Rosh writes that every person, Ra'ui, he says it's worthwhile, it's appropriate. He should be feeling pain at night. He should get up and do tikkun hatzot. You know, they tell a story about a, a guy, an innkeeper, simple man, an innkeeper. He sees a rabbi comes along, comes tikkun hatzot. He gets up middle of the night, he lights a candle on the floor, right? If you ever open, I don't know, a lot of people think that there's extra pages that they printed by mistake in the beginning of the Sidur. Tikkun Rachel, Tikkun Le'ah, they have no idea, they're not even sure what's going on there. It's not part of the regular morning service, right? So they never did it in their life. At least, I always say, you're never going to do Tikkun Chatzot. Do Tikkun Chatzot on Tashavav. Find it there a couple days a year to do it. You sit there, it doesn't take long. You sit there, anyway, this, the, 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 the rabbi lights the candle, starts saying the Mizmorim. He's feeling it, he's crying, he's saying it out loud. 
The innkeeper wakes up in the middle of the night. He hears that someone's crying. He comes running down the hallway. He sees some guys on the floor. He thinks it must have been stolen. He must have been robbed. He runs up. Everything okay? The rabbi says, <sighs> he says, did someone hit you? Did someone hit he says, no, I'm saying tikkun chatzot. He says, what's tikkun chatzot? He says, oh, we're mizmorim for the thing. He goes, you're reading the whole uh, keynote for the Shabbat? He says, no, it's just a few mizmorim. He goes, if it's a few, the, ra- the guy is having, a, you know, he's being triggered, negative flashbacks from Shabbat. He says, it's a few mizmorim. He goes, maybe I'll join you. The rabbi says, Badal, pull up a floor, you know. He sits next to him on the floor. They say, Al Naharot Bavel, Al Naharot. Sham Yashav Nugamachinu, Sham Yashav Nugamachinu. They're saying the words together. After a few minutes, the, the, uh, the, the innkeeper, he never had this before. Interesting, sitting on the floor with the candle, feels very spiritual. He says to him, Rabbi, he goes, you know, you're sitting here, it's cold. He says, please, let me, allow me. He goes, comes back with a bottle of whiskey, two glasses, pours himself one, pours out. Here, Rabbi, the rabbi has a glass. You know, the, the innkeeper has a glass. The innkeeper has a much higher tolerance than the rabbi, right? So they, they drink. The rabbi has the thing. He goes, oh, it feels warm. He goes, what is this? He goes, it's uh, whiskey. Rabbi never heard of it, right? He goes, it's like, you know, it's like wine. Okay. He pours another glass. Another. By the end of the thing, they're singing, they're dancing together. You know, they're being misameach, etc., etc. Rabbi Galinsky said a beautiful idea. He said, you don't want to mourn, don't mourn. But don't celebrate. Don't mix up Tisha B'Av and Purim. If I can communicate to you that the way you should feel is an avelut that is so strong that you might stab yourself if there's a knife out, then maybe you're not going to do that, and maybe you're not going to cry, and maybe, but at the very least, when you say the words, Bonei Yerushalayim, you, know, you won't sing them. Right? Yehoshua, I want to share with you something very special. Myself and Rabbi Mizrahi, in the summers, we, uh, we go back and forth. We, uh, we live staying in Deal. Kids are in camp. A lot of the community is there. But we come back. We switch off every day that one of us is here for the services in the morning. We switch off Shabbat because there's people as well in the community that stay here in Manhattan. Okay? Every day, though, we're going back and forth. You want to be here for Shaharit, you have to leave early. So there's a young man that finds out that Rabbi Mizrahi is traveling every day to the city. And he decides that every time that Rabbi Miz is driving to the city, he's going to drive him in. Not as a driver. Why? To get time to spend with the rabbi. Isn't that amazing? That's Yehoshua. That's a Yehoshua moment. A decision that if I could have a chance to spend an hour with the rabbi, yeah, I'll go pick him up. I'll make, even if I wasn't going to go early, even if I was going to pray later and deal, I'll go pick, I'll get that time. No one is saying you have to wait 40 days by the bottom of the mountain, but that you should appreciate the time that you could have together with a Talmud Chacham. Now, what happens if, you know, you don't want to appreciate the time you get with a Talmud Chacham. Okay, you don't want to go that far that you're going to drive the guy in, you know, to Manhattan. You don't want to wait for him at the airport. No problem. But at least, at least, come to the Shi'ur. Don't leave early. You understand? There's a, there's a, a concept of the great she'ifot, the great ideals, that even when you don't hit the moon, like they say, you shoot for the moon, so that at least if you miss, you land amongst the stars, which is a terrible analogy, because actually the stars are much higher than the moon. So whoever wrote that 
had clearly never been either on a rocket ship or <laughs> learned anything about science, but, right, you should say, shoot for the stars and maybe you'll land amongst the moon. The moon. But either way, the point is, Rabotai, that there's a concept called she'ifot. And when I try and go for the finishing all of Shas, I won't succeed and I'll finish one Masechet. If my goal is to finish one Masechet, then I'll finish one Perek. If my goal is to do one daf, one page, then you know the box right in the beginning that has one word in it at the beginning? They're gonna, you're never going to get past the box. Think outside the box, Ya'ani Rabutai. Think a little bit bigger. When a person tries to have she'ifot, to maybe learn a little bit more from his rabbi, to figure out a way to spend time with him. You know, uh, someone once asked me, they said, Rabbi, I heard that maybe you're spending Pesach on one of these trips away. I said, yes, Bezat Hashem. So he said, which one are you going to? I said, I'm not sure. I said, why? Are you thinking of going? He goes, he goes, Rabbi, wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. Said, well, unbelievable thing. Turned out he didn't go to the same program as me in the end, right? Because I didn't think he liked the weather enough. But at least the idea, at least the idea. What a special thing that there's a connection between a, a person and his rabbi. It doesn't have to be me, rabbi. Uh, it doesn't have to be me, rabbi. You have another rabbi here. You have another two other rabbis from Chazak that work in the community. There's another rabbi in Brooklyn, Baruch Hashem. There's many, many rabbis in Brooklyn. Find a selech harav. And like the Mishnah in Pirkei teaches us, heve mitabek. Stick, you know, go stick with them. You know, all these expressions are there to teach you a, a, a concept in its, in its highest form. Rabotai, so I wanted to ask and leave you with a question this morning. If this idea of she'ifot, to try and find big projects, so at the very least, when we, when we don't do it all, we've hit something significant, try and bring this idea down into your, into your daily life. So I'll give you one example and then we'll end, okay? I remember one day I realized a deep truth. And the truth is like this, that people say you have to spend time with your family. But actually, that's a misnomer. It's a lie, it's not true. You don't have to spend time with your family. Please don't turn the shiur off now and don't leave yet. You spend time with your family, you didn't spend time with anyone. You have your wife and your six kids and your son-in-law and you did this and your grandkid. No one got time. There was too many people. What do you need to do? You need to spend time with each person in your family. A friend of mine uh, recently posted something online about his daughter asked him to spend time with her. And what did they wind up doing? They wind up working out together. Hazi, he's a rabbi, the guy, I'm sure he could barely breathe. But that's what his daughter wanted to do. That was the time and the way she wanted to spend time with her dad doing a little bit of a workout. What a beautiful thing that is. So if you try and in your brain you say, I wanna spend 10 minutes a week, five minutes a day. Some people speak to their kids each and every day, every one of their kids individually, every day on the phone, even though they live in different places around the world, they make sure each one of their kids and their parents and their brothers and their sisters, I don't know what, how they make a living, how they do anything else, right? But, but if you have a, a dream or a goal like that, even when you let yourself down, so you did five minutes instead of 10. So you did half the family today instead of the whole family. I'll get the rest of the family tomorrow. Figure out for yourself these beautiful golden dreams in terms of family time, in terms of Talmud Torah. You know, it's not enough to have a class, Rabotai. I keep saying this. You have to have at least a tiny amount of learning where you're learning by yourself 
You read, I don't care if it's in Hebrew or English, but where you're spending the effort to learn something which is above your pay grade, that you're struggling a little bit, that you don't love so much, because it's a little bit more difficult, it's a little bit more dry, it's the raw information, it's not packaged nicely. A little bit. Try a little bit, Rabotai, to enhance the Shabbat. It, it, your Shabbat is beautiful, I'm sure it is. But think to yourself this week, how can I make the Shabbat that I have more beautiful? Because you know what? Being in love with God is the same with being in love with your wife. All your moves that you had for 50 years, they, they don't feel like moves anymore. They don't feel like you did something romantic. If every week you buy flowers, so then eventually, it's not special you bought flowers. So how do you up your game? Buy more of them. Uh, buy two. You understand what I mean? Figure out a way to show Shabbat a beautiful level of respect. In each of these things, a person has to have she'ifot. She'ifot means aspirations. When we learn about Yehoshua sitting at the bottom of the mountain for 40, 40 days waiting for his rabbi to come home. Why? So he'll save that extra journey. He'll have Moshe to himself for 20 minutes, right? It teaches you an aspirational concept of connection to your Rebbe, to your rabbi, okay? Rabbi if we should be zocheh be'ezrat Hashem, to have these aspirations, then Be'ezrat Hashem, we will, we will surpass our dreams in each and every one of these areas, slowly but surely, growth level by growth level. Baruch Adonai